If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Pasha Hashavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Pasha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Arab Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you once again to talk about the Pasha, to talk about life, and to spend a couple of minutes sharing with each other. Elements of importance, talking about how Torah sees the way we should be living our life. And to look into the Parsha of the week and to try and take from the Parsha certain dimensions of behavior and to see how it affects our daily life. The Parsha, well the double Parsha of course is Chukat and Bullock. And they come together this Parsha because this week we reunite with Israel. Since Shavuot, Shavuot was only one day in Israel, the second day was Shabbat, they have been one Parsha ahead of us. And this week, we are going to reconnect. We are both going to read our second Parsha of Bullock. They are going to read Bullock, and we will be united. And it's so, so interesting that this, the year of Hakel, there is this incredible unification coming together, a tremendous expression of unity between the Jews and the diaspora, and Jews in Israel, because unity, after all, is something which is so vital, something which is so very important. We live in a world of, well, disunity. We live in a world of conflict. We live in a world where we no longer, for some strange reason, we no longer have the ability of expressing our differences in a way that doesn't bring about a tremendous sense of inner Conflict. Today we live in a world wherever we say, however we express ourselves, it brings about tremendous chaos. And this is why during the year of Hakel this year, we have to try and relearn what unity is all about. And therefore this Shabbos, when we in the diaspora come together and read the same parsha that our brothers and sisters in the land of Israel and of Israel are going to read, it's something which tells us that unity is so very important. It's something which binds us. It's something which connects us. It's something which gives us meaning. And speaking about unity, last week, as you know, I wasn't here. I was in New York commemorating the 29th Yurtzite of the Rebbe. And I was at the Ahel, his resting place, and I, together with literally tens of thousands of Jews, tens of thousands, well, not only Jews, there were many people from every single corner of the world, and Jews of every single walk of life, observant, not observant, Hasidim, non Hasidim, every single type of Jew. And they kept streaming in, coming straight from the airport, some people standing in line for, well, up to four hours at certain time of the 24-hour period, throughout the night and throughout the day, tens of thousands of people standing there to spend only a few minutes at the Rebbe's graveside. And I stood there and I watched and I thought to myself, what an incredible expression of unity, of coming together, coming together on an important day, but coming together in a state of unity. You saw Hasidim, people who, well, come from a particular type of Jewish expression. You saw people, well, that you know are probably not observant at all, and they stood in line together, chatting. There was no conflict. 
there was no sense of, well, we don't belong with each other. There was a sense of unity. And this is something which has to expand outward. This is something which has to become a reality, not only on certain days or in certain moments, but it has to become a constant. We can't continue wherever it may be with conflict that ends up in a type of, well, chaos, a type of anger, a type of violent, a violent type of disagreement. By all means, you can have your point of view. By all means, you can defend your point of view. But it doesn't have to turn into violent, violent type of disagreement. There can be and there should be an understanding that while people are entitled to opinions, you have to respect each other's opinion and to learn to live together within the context of community, within the context of a people, because this is what it's all about. And this is why when we have a Shabbos where there is a demonstrative, a demonstrative example of unity, when we in the diaspora come together with the people in Israel and read the same parsha that reminds us that this is a Shabbos of great unity. And we speak about we heard the song a moment before we started. Creating a sense of unity, a sense of wholeness. And it's interesting because the Hebrew word for peace, the Hebrew word for peace also means complete, also means whole. Because peace is not only a concept of, well, tolerating each other, living with each other in a sense of peacefulness, but it creates a wholeness. It creates a completeness. It creates something which brings about fulfillment. And that's something that we have to strive for. It's something that not only to yearn for, it's something that we have to strive and work for. It's something which is very much within our ability to accomplish. It's something that we can do. It's something that each and every one of us is able to contribute toward. And it's something which we can all benefit from. But it begins close to home. Because conflict very often is an expression of an internal type of conflict. Interestingly enough, people who have peace within themselves or a sense of unity within themselves, this contributes to a sense of unity outside themselves as well. Very often, an external expression of this unity of chaos is basically an expression that comes from within. And therefore, this is something that we have to work for within ourselves and outside of ourselves. And who benefits? We all benefit. Everybody takes tremendous, tremendous strength within themselves and outside of themselves. Our families, our communities, our countries, our world, everybody benefits. And why a lot of people think that's ah, wishful thinking, it will never ever happen. It can and it will. And you see it, you see it closer to home. You see it within families. You see it within oneself. When people work to create a sense of shalom, a sense of wholeness, a sense of completeness, a sense of peace, 
It may not be perfect all the time. There might be moments of setback. But when that becomes the goal, when that becomes something that we strive for, and this Shabbos, the blessing is there. It's a Shabbos of unity. It's a Shabbos when we in the Aspra, in the Gola, come together with the Jews in Israel, which means that there is an energy of unity that is present, and we have to receive it. We have to take it into ourselves because it's there. And as I always say, when the energy of blessing is there, we have to work hard at recognizing it and taking it into ourselves. Unity. Unity is a blessing which brings about tremendous, tremendous benefit on all sorts of levels. More of that soon. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about this incredible Shabbos. We're talking about a Shabbos of unity. Because as we've often spoken, Kedusha holiness is defined by unity, completion. Fragmentation is the opposite of holiness. What is so special about these two parshiot? The first one is Chukat. And Chukat talks about the preparation and purpose of the red heifer, the para aduma, which was used to bring about a state of purity, individuals who were ritually impure. But interestingly, it's called a chok, a type of law that cannot be understood. Not only that because of the fact that we simply can't understand it, it's something that cannot be understood. The human mind simply cannot comprehend it. Even King Solomon, the wisest of all men, said, I've tried and I've tried, but it's something which is far beyond even my mind. In other words, there are certain aspects of God's commandments, called Chokim, which are simply beyond human capacity, human intellect to understand. Yes, there are certain laws that can be understood up to a point. Mishpatim, certain laws, ordinances, Eidos, testimonies, to a certain degree we can understand them. Chukim, particularly this one, the Red Heifer, Paraduma, it's something which is far beyond human capacity. The second Parsha is Balak. We know that famous story. Balak hires Bilam to curse the Jewish people, but instead of cursing them, he blesses them. The terrible curses that he had in mind are transformed into the most incredible, magnificent blessings that become, in fact, part of our prayers. He speaks about the Jews in the most beautiful, lofty terms. The question is, why are these two parshas come together? Why are these the ones that come together and brings about the unity, particularly this year? What is that feature that connects Chukit and Balak? And perhaps we can understand that by something that we've often discussed. And that is 
the existence of the Jewish people. Now I know many books have been written. Many philosophers, historians have talked about the existence of the Jewish people. It's because of this, it's because of that. Well, their courage, their tenacity, their intellect. Eh, A million and a half reasons. At the end of the day, there is no reason why the Jewish people continue to exist. It's an absolute miracle. Absolutely irrational. From every point of view, the Jewish people should have stopped existing thousands of years ago. A holocaust, expulsion, all sorts of tragedies. We've lived in exile for thousands of years. And yet we're here. And it's not only because of our own tenacity. Yes, we have a tremendous sense of devotion. But it's also an absolute miracle. It makes no sense. We have a strong similarity to the red heifer, to the paradigm. It's beyond, it's beyond the human capacity to understand. You know, there's certain things the mind, no matter how developed, the mind simply can't comprehend. We take infinity, for instance. We know that it, well, it exists somewhere. We know about it. We can build all sorts of theories in maths and physics based upon the existence of infinity. But to know it, to understand it, the human mind simply cannot understand infinity. Because as great as the mind is, and it's immensely great, it's limited. And something which is limited cannot comprehend something which is, well, infinite. To understand the existence of the Jewish people Well, you can give a thousand reasons and every one of them sounds good, but it's not the real reason. It's a miracle. It's something which is far beyond our understanding. And this is why we have to, at all times, consider that there is something highly, highly irrational, miraculous about our being. And because of that, we have to ask ourselves... What does it mean as far as we are concerned? What kind of, well, responsibility does that give us? If we are such an exceptional people, if we are a people that go beyond, beyond the natural, beyond the rational, what is it that we have to do in recognition of that great, great gift? And the answer is we have to, for a moment, analyze the second part, the second parsha of this week. When Bilam hires Balak to curse the Jewish people, why does he hire him to curse the Jewish people? Why not hire him to put some sort of, well, black magic on the Jews to kill them? Why just curse them? Why is he so passionate? fiery passion about cursing the Jewish people. The Gemara tells us something very, very strange. Who was Bullock? 
who was this sorcerer? Who was this strange guy that had the power to curse people? God gave him that power. But who was he really? And the Gemara tells us, the Talmud tells us something very, very strange. That he was the same soul, in fact, the same person ultimately, as Lavan. And who was Lavan? Lavan was the brother of Rivka. When Abraham sent his trusted servant Eliezer to find a wife for his son Yitzchak Isaac, he came to the house, his family of Bethuel, and he negotiated first with Bethuel, then with Lavan. And Rebecca Rivka was the one who was going to become the wife of Yitzchak. And before she left at home, Lavan blesses her that she should in fact, give birth to a great family as she should be the mother of thousands, if not millions, of offspring. And that blessing came to fruition. The people grew, the nation grew to millions of people. And that was a powerful, powerful blessing. Bilam knew that. Bilam knew that Bullock, also known as Laban, had given this powerful blessing to the Israelites, to the children of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. He had to undo that. He had to undo that, and therefore he finds Bullock, who is the same persona, the same person as Laban, and he says, curse them, take that blessing away from them. You gave your sister, the matriarch, Rebecca, that blessing, take it away. Because otherwise, this people will be an infinite people, an eternal people. They will last forever, and they will be the most powerful of people. We can't kill them. You have blessed them, and that blessing came to fruition. It was a powerful blessing you gave them. And Lovin wasn't the nicest of people. He was, in fact, a terrible person who hated, as we see later on, he hated the Jacob, his son-in-law. But the blessing was there. So many generations later, when that same soul, with that same individual, became Bullock, Bilam said, you have to undo that blessing with a curse. But why was Bilam so passionate about destroying the Jewish people. What bothered him about the Jewish people? The fact they were going to take his land away, they weren't going to take his land away. What bothered him really? Bilam had a tremendous problem. He saw in the future something that caused him tremendous pain and grief. Who was the offspring of Bilam many generations later? None other than Ruth. His great-great-great-granddaughter was Ruth. And who was Ruth? The great-great-grandmother of King David. And who was King David? The progenitor of none other than Mashiach, the Messiah. Bilam was horrified at the fact that ultimately the Mashiach would be one of his descendants. The Mashiach, of course, the Redeemer. 
which would show the true eternal existence of the Jewish people. And this is what frightened him. This is what worried him. He couldn't allow it. He couldn't allow that this people should in fact be blessed as a result of one of his own descendants becoming the redeemer of the Jewish people, of all people, of all of creation. These two individuals, Bilam and Bullock, were not only, well, powerful people in their own rights. There's a story hidden from the actual story. Bullock was Laban. Bilam, who is, well, his descendant was Ruth, whose descendant is David, whose descendant is Mashiach. This is how we read the Torah. The story within the story within the story within the story. And this is how we should see ourselves. A story within a story within a story. Because nothing is just, well, as it appears on the surface. Nothing is simple. Nothing is, well, whatever happens, happens. And however it happens. There is something above the surface. There's something beneath the surface. There are all sorts of levels. There's the physical. There's the spiritual. Within the physical, there are different levels. Within the spiritual, there are many levels. We have a body. We have a soul. The body functions at a certain level. The soul functions at a certain level. The body and the soul interact at a certain level. We are not, well, just creatures and take it for granted. We're born and we function. We're animated. We have feelings. We are unique, incredibly, incredibly miraculous creatures who live, who think, who feel. We're creative. We interact. And above all, as mentioned earlier on, we can bring about shalom. Peace, wholeness, unity, completion. That's who we are. Because we can function on all sorts of levels. And even though hookahs, we might not understand everything, and certain things are simply impossible to understand. But our actions, our actions have an effect from the highest of the high to the lowest of the low. Not everything is intellect. Action sometimes is far greater and sometimes far more powerful. More of that soon. This is the Pasha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska only on 101.9 High FM. So we're talking about the incredible concept of recognizing stories within stories recognizing the energies and powers that exist. And we as limited creatures have the capacity, the ability of reaching out and channeling those energies and taking those energies and using them within God's creation to the best of our abilities to bring about a state of wholeness and completeness. And each and every one of us, Each and every one of us not only has the ability of doing that, but each and every one of us has the unique responsibility of 
doing that in a particular way that no one else can. Because each and every one of us has a special individual mission in God's creation. And that's something which is so important for us to understand. That none of us, none of us are simply redundant. That we're just here. But every one of us, through our actions, is able to bring about change. Tremendous positive change, or God forbid otherwise. You know, you take a look at the end of the Parsha of Bullock, and you see a terrible story. The Jews are, well, near Moab, and they begin to behave badly, and a terrible, terrible plague breaks out until the heroic act of Pinchas, and he stops it. Now, the entire Parsha we see, this desperate attempt by Bilam and Balak to curse the Jewish people, and what comes out are the most magnificent blessings. And Balak says, I can't do anything other than what God allows me to do. Here are two arch enemies of the Israelites. Two arch enemies of the Jewish people. And despite their power, despite their incredible, incredible hatred, they can do nothing. In fact, the only thing they can do is bless the people. And yet at the end of the Parsha, who brings destruction to the Jewish people? The Jewish people themselves. Our actions, our actions, has the ability and the capacity to bring about change. God forbid negative change. Hopefully positive change. You know, we think that it's only feelings and intellect that are really important. At the end of the day, the single most important thing is behavior. How we do things. Yes, of course, feelings and mind, intellect, emotion, incredibly important. In many ways, they do define our humanness. They do define what gives us character. But what really matters is action. Because action is what brings about a state of change within ourselves, within our society, within the world. You can feel, you can feel about doing good towards someone else. You can understand that doing something good for someone else is important. But it's actually doing something good for someone else that counts. Of course, it makes it much better if you have the feeling, if you have the understanding. But you can feel from today till tomorrow. You can understand from today till tomorrow. If you don't do something about it, nothing really has happened. And this is something which is so important in every single area of life. And this is why the end of the Parshabalik reminds us it's their behavior that brought about that terrible plague. They were great people. They just behaved badly. Behavior is a key because it indicates it indicates the true power of the human. And this is the Parsha of Chukas. 
<laughs> well, there's certain things you simply can't understand. Because the human mind ultimately is limited. And because it's limited, it can't understand. You know, tonight is the 12th of Tammuz. And the 12th of Tammuz, we celebrate, in Chabad, we celebrate a tremendous, tremendous Yontif. It's the day that the previous Lubavitch River, Yosef Yitzchak of Lubavitch, was liberated from communist prison in 1927. He was arrested on false charges for disseminating Yiddishkeit. He was first, well, terrible punishment was given, and then he was sent to exile and finally liberated and told he had to leave the country. But before he left the country, he called together a group of people and made a covenant with them that no matter what, they would continue his work. Underground schools, underground schools. It was a horrible time for the Jewish people. Uh, they were, well, dead set on destroying every vestige of, of religion, particularly Yiddishkeit. And it was the Jewish communists themselves, the Yisekzia, who were more violent than the Communist Party themselves and the Bolsheviks themselves. And what kept the flame of Yiddishkeit alive in Russia all those years? The work of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe throughout Russia. Well, people thought it was dead, it was all over. And yet, it continued. Because of actions. Not only feelings. Not only philosophy. But the actions of the Rebbe and selfless people that he made the covenant with and lived in towns and cities and with tremendous, tremendous self-sacrifice brought about change. And this is something which is important for us to understand. The power of action. Yes, we can do great things. We have that power. We have that energy. This is the Shabbos of unity. Let's do something about it to bring about change, to bring about unity. When you're in Shul tomorrow, you have a double partial. Oh, it's full of wonderful stories. Moshe hitting the rock. Bullock trying to curse the people. Fascinating stories. And as I always say, listen carefully. There's something that I tell you personally. Something of important. And when you hear it, listen to it carefully. There's a message there. A message that will tell you how to think, how to feel, but most importantly, how to act. Good chance.